Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Daniel Lowry, and I'm joined by my wife, Kristen. Hello. This season, we are focusing on stories from the field, speaking with practitioners of mission and gospel movements in the world. For this episode, we have the privilege of John and Nancy Pantelis joining us. John and Nancy have been married for 30 years, and they have a daughter, Grace, who's 17, and she is a senior in high school. She volunteers as a wildlife, which was middle school, uh, ministry leader, and she's also been a Capernaum Fun Life buddy for the past five years. John and Nancy have been serving in Young Life for 37 plus years. For 16 of those years, they were volunteer leaders. And then for 21 plus years, they have served on Young Life staff. John currently serves as the area director and Capernaum director for the Santa Clarita Valley. And Nancy serves on the Santa Clarita Valley Young Life mission staff with her focus being on their Capernaum Fun Life ministry. Fun Life is the nickname for Young Life Capernaum, a ministry for high school students with physical and intellectual disabilities. Welcome, John and Nancy. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you for being here. Yeah. This is great. This is our COVID edition of uh, <laughs> of Only on a Sunday. So for those of you listening, John currently has COVID. So, but he was kind enough to join us in the midst of his suffering. But he's doing he's doing pretty well. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We are so excited to share your story about Capernaum, right, Kristen? Capernaum. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's an inside joke. I guess there was a debate. Well, John and Nancy had told us before that there was a debate on how you pronounce this word, and some say Capernaum and some say Capernaum, and I grew up in church and Sunday school, and so to me, it's just Capernaum, because that's what my pastor always said, and so that's what I read anyway. Okay. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. (laughs) So we are so excited to have you guys and to share your story specifically about the work that you're doing in the special needs community with special needs family and just kind of what Jesus is doing through you guys, in you guys, and in that community. It's just, it's just fascinating. Cannot wait to share that. But before we get too far, you guys have 30-something years of missional experience, being in the trenches with people. So you have got to have a funny story or two that has happened to you. So I believe, John, you're going first. Is that accurate? Yes, as you said, many years of ministry will lead to many stories that are crazy at times and just uh, just fun to be a part of. But one thing I, I will say, and yes, I, you'll hear me say Capernaum, and that's why a lot of times we'll just use our nickname Fun Life with our Fun Life friends who are very dear to us. And so, uh, like said, about 16 years ago or so, we've really focused on the Fun Life ministry. And our Fun Life friends and all the years of ministry that I've been doing our Fun Life friends have really taught me more about life in general than any anything else that I've ever been a part of. They've taught me about not having God in a box. They've taught me mm. about being present in the moment. Mm. And it's very unpredictable. And because <laughs> it's very unpredictable and our friends tend to not have filters, we've run into many situations where no filters is a good thing. 
one of these situations was one of our dear friends who have been around Fun Life for a long time, and we've had these big events where it's a, usually a dance. Our friends love to dance, and we had about 140 of our Fun Life friends, helpers, volunteers, parents, caregivers, all in this one room, which was pushing us over 200 of uh, folks in this room. And as we're there, it's probably right around the limit of, you know, capacity. And so I'm standing up front and as the thing's going on, we're in the middle of it. All of a sudden I look to the back of the room and in comes four or five firemen walking in. And immediately I thought, uh-oh, they're going to shut down everything. How can they shut this down for a whole room of friends with special needs? So I got very nervous, went up to greet the fireman. I said to the fireman, I said, who was in charge, the captain there. And I said, hi, how are you? Greeted him. You know, what, what can I do? How can I help you? And he says, well, the, uh, the gentleman who's in charge called me so that I could come and meet, be a part of the party and have our friends get on a fire truck. And I said, well, excuse me, I am the guy in charge and I never called you. Well, what happened was one of our friends, uh, Fun Life friends is standing next to me and has this big smile on his face. And so he ended up <laughs> calling the fire department on his own, not 911, just called, invited them over. They were there. They were great. They actually let him get on the fire truck. And so you just never know what will happen when we're dealing with our friends. Hey, that's some initiative right there. That's, yeah, that's to be commended. All right, dude, way to go. Nancy, do you have a story? Yes, I sure do. Um, when I was thinking about this, I thought of Rachel, who we took to summer camp with us, to Young Life Camp. And it was one of our first times taking Capernaum friends to camp. We've been to camp many years, but we took Capernaum camps for the first time, campers to camp. And we are called down um, the first night of club. They often bring uh, leaders and their campers, a few pairs up on stage for a skit. And usually the leader takes the, the funny part, the pie in the face or the squirt of the soda bottle or whatever it is. But for some reason on that night, on that stage, they pied Rachel in the face. They pied the girl in the wheelchair in the face. <laughs> and I oh. thought, oh my gosh, this is my first time taking her to camp and she's getting pied in the face the first night of camp. Is that okay to pie someone that's in a wheelchair in the face? And Rachel looked me in the eye and she said, did you see that? Did you see how awesome that was? I got pied in the face on stage and she was thrilled. And I thought, oh my gosh, what I realized for the first time is that her whole life, she has been an observer versus a participant. Mm. She had been gone to camp before, other kind of camps or other kind of school events or other kind of things, but she'd always been placed in a spot where she would observe but not participate. And here when she went to camp, she got to be on stage and get the pie in the face. And to her, that was participating. And the rest of the week, it kicked off her week of can I go on the zip line? Yes, you can, Rachel. We'll figure it out. Can I go on the ropes course, the high ropes course? Yes, you can, Rachel. We'll figure it out. Can I go off the diving board? Yes, we'll figure that out. Can I go on the giant swing? Can I go on the messy games? Can I go on, you know, the horses? Yes, we will figure that out because we wanted our friends to participate and enjoy and be a part of everything. I love that young life camps make that happen for them. Well, that is fun. That is fun. I, uh, 
have never had a pie in my face, so I can't relate. But uh, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. So yeah, again, thanks for joining us. We want to get into the meat and potatoes of your story. Um, And so I thought a great place to start is just tell us a little bit about how you got involved in Young Life, you know, going from way back when, right up to the point where you kind of started this special needs ministry. Yeah, so tell us what God did. For me, I became a part of Young Life organization uh, right out of college as a volunteer leader. I didn't know too much about Young Life, but when I got involved, uh, I really enjoyed the philosophy of incarnational ministry and reaching out to others and building relationships and humor and uh, sharing Jesus with high school students, which was you know, amazing to me that we would do that. So I, I did that, was involved, uh, eventually went on staff in the outside of the Philadelphia area in the suburbs, moved to California and met Nancy. Um, we got married and continued for the last 30 years in Santa Clarita doing Young Life ministry, either as a volunteer or on staff. Currently now I'm on staff. And about um, 16 years ago, we took a chapter of Young Life which is nationally called Capernaum or Capernaum. And uh, we call it here locally Fun Life. And that is for our friends. So it's Young Life for our friends with uh, any intellectual or physical disabilities. And then I'll, I'll hand it over to Nancy at this point. I met the Lord through Young Life. Um, I went to a, a weekend Young Life camp when I was a junior in high school. And I had the best, <laughs> what they always say at Young Life Camp, you have the best week of your life. I did. I had leaders who cared for me and listened to me. I um, heard about who Jesus was in a way that was more relational and personal than I'd ever heard in my entire life. I started my walk with Jesus and came home with uh, wonderful leaders who helped me with that and then went to college and became a leader. And I think I've been a, a leader ever since. And then along the way, we um, I was an elementary school teacher and then went to college, elementary school teacher and young life leader, and then became on young life staff and young life leader. So, yeah. And then, yes, I think it was what, how 17 or 18 years ago when we we've been going to young life camp forever, but we fell in love with the um, Capernaum part ministry part of young of young life, which reaches out to teens with special needs. We heard Nick Palermo speak, who's the, the founder of that part of young life and Forever were changed with the heart and idea and thought of reaching out to uh, teens with special needs and their families. It's really a whole family event. And I think, John, at one point you were also a real estate agent, like you were in the buying and selling of homes for some time while you were also on staff with Young Life. Is that right? Actually, when I moved to California and we got married, uh, I went on back on Young Life staff uh, for just a few years. And then after that, was a volunteer. So I still uh, was a volunteer leader with high school students. I was also a part of what Young Life calls the board or a committee. So I was a part of that, helping lead that. And uh, all during that time, I was selling real estate for about 15 years or 16 years. So I have my license, but now I've gone back full time to be involved with Young Life staff because, you know, one, to reach out to high school, middle school, and college age students and our friends with disabilities. Yeah, no, I bring up that point because 
So one of the things that we're trying to really get across to our audience, people that are listening in this season, is we're not necessarily talking to the professionals, right? We're talking to the school teachers, right? Like like yourself, Nancy, the, the real estate agents, the people that even though they're working and have families and, you know, all of the pressures of life, they're still out there doing mission, you know, with creative expressions of the gospel. You know, Kristen and I were small business owners and she was a nurse forever. And yet we're still out there making it happen. And so often, you know, we, we kind of reserve ministry for the, uh, <laughs> the paid professionals. So um, that's kind of why I bring up that point. But share with us a little bit about what fun life is, what Capernaum is, and what God did in your heart to really give you a passion for this demographic? I had heard uh, Nick Palermo speak, who was the founder in the Young Life world of the Capernaum part, and it just struck my heart. And then when I came home, I went immediately to start, we always do what we would call contact work, which is go spend time on the high school campuses. We've done that for 30 years, go to high school football games or show choir or, you know, all the things. And so I just immediately started going to the lunch at the nearest, nearest high school, just asked if, you know, talked to the principal and said, can I visit at lunch and go sit with the friends that have special needs and just have lunch with them? So we started doing that and also helping out at PE. And there's another leader and I, we just, just volunteered and helped and just started showing up in their lives. So it slowly started trickling in prayerfully. We prayed for a long time and then gathered a team of people who we thought would have a heart and a mission. We gathered people through speaking at churches and gathering people we already knew and new people. And what was so fun is when we were gathering a team of volunteers who would want to do this, we had people who knew Young Life and we had people who knew uh, the community of people with special needs and we could teach each other mutually at our, mm. at our meetings. We met for about nine months, about once a month and visited other areas that were doing this ministry and visited the schools and got to know families and just you know, stick our toe in the pool and just sort of took them every time we just started taking the next step. Mm. <laughs> Finally, till we got to the place where we were ready to launch a little club. And our first, I'll have to say our first club, we probably had, I don't know, 20 volunteer leaders. Wow. And four friends came <laughs> and their parents. <laughs> we were like, four, wow. I, I thought there'd be a lot more. And we were like, do we just, should we just take them to ice cream or something? Or should we do the club that we plan to do. <laughs> and Don and I huddled for a moment. We said, we're doing club. Everyone needs to see it. The, cl- the leaders need to see it. So we just did a full on club as if we were going to have 25 people in the room. And we did everything we planned. Um, club that consists of skits and crazy and song and then a message from the gospel. And mm-hmm. we just did it. And it was awesome because the leaders saw it, the parents saw it, and the kids loved it. And then from that point on, we literally doubled every single time we met because of the parents. We won the heart of the parents and they went and told other parents and then they told other parents. Wow. And John, what was your history or your journey in fun life? Well, it it sort of, uh, of course, uh, mirrored uh, a little bit of Nancy because she was so passionate and excited about this new section of young life to do. And uh, at first I was, um, let's say, very nervous, uncomfortable. I've always been uncomfortable around anybody with special needs. And uh, it was interesting because as I got to spend more time with our friends, 
the founder of the Young Life Capernaum part of it, Nick Palermo, always would say, it's okay to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And at that moment, God just moved in me to just, these are our friends. And the more and more I was around them, the more I fell in love with them, the more I had passion for them and compassion. And so I just kept spending time with our friends and their families. And to me, it's a game changer. It is the game changer of anything. And uh, for uh, I feel that um, it, it crosses every boundary. It, and that's what I love. All the years of just being either in professional ministry or just being a part of ministries, and just reaching out missionally, living missionally, nothing crosses boundaries more of economics, social, racial, religious, everything, every boundary, this community just sort of impacts it all. And I love that. Mm. That's cool. And it's so true. Like this community is definitely underserved in the church, is it not? Not to throw the church under the bus, but just because of the the difficulty of having enough people to help and people who, you know, have a heart for that. So what you guys are doing is really like such an underserved uh, demographic, is it not? Yes. The statistics are that maybe 80 or more churches don't have uh, some kind of program or ministry for those with special needs. So definitely it is an unreached people group mm. um, for sure. And churches have a lot on their hands, I know for sure. And it doesn't, it can be an overwhelming thought. You know, it, it does take maybe more, more hands and more thought and more space. But uh, surprisingly, the gifts and the joy and the the sense of God's Holy Spirit's presence in our friends and their families is a treasure you wouldn't want to miss out on. Mm. Nancy, I remember when we talked about this, like before the podcast, you guys were over and we were just chatting about the ministry. Can you share a little bit about like the different faiths that have come and heard about Jesus because of this ministry and maybe some of the feedback you've had from parents? That's the thing that when you were sharing initially, I was like, wow, this could be an absolute revival in the making because it's like you said, it's not just the kiddo, it's actually their whole family. Mm -hmm. You are involved in the whole family's life. The whole family gets involved and comes out to things. And I can't tell you, I don't think we've ever had a gathering, a meeting, a club or whatever, in which a parent hasn't sat at the door and cried and said, I, you are loving my child, you know, just so deeply touched. And so I think for a, a group that has, for the most part, been uninvited invisible, under, um, not seen, you know, um, ignored, even the parents are for a vast majority of every, you know, their child's the child that wasn't invited to the birthday party, not invited to the sports team, the Boy Scouts. That's painful. Yeah. So you are reaching out to parents. I've had so many parents that have just sat with me and said, you know, like an atheist parent would say, you know, Nancy, I'm an atheist. Um, you know that. But if I was to believe in a God, I would believe in your God mm. because you have loved my child mm. so well. And sitting with moms who are um, of Jewish faith um, and watching them sing Jesus loves me, this I know as they have their arms around other moms and kids and sitting with moms who are of the Muslim faith and, and they're saying, mm. show me this 
God in this Bible, opening their Bible, saying, I need to know this God of your Bible because he loves in a way that I want to know that love, mm. you know, that you are impacting. And that was a, we never even imagined that. We just were stepping into the lives of what we know to do, teens. We were always about stepping yeah. into the lives of teens. And we just happened to be stepping into the lives of teens who had special needs. We had no idea that it would have an impact on the family, but that's what we're looking at going, this is a, this is a big big family event here and continually on. So that's awesome. That's so encouraging too. I love how we talk about in some of the things we do with Novo, we talk about activating prayer. And that was the other thing that stuck out from your story is you didn't just kind of jump in and go for it. Cause I, I do see a lot of, let's just say passionate young people who really bless their hearts, really want to serve Jesus, right? They really do have the right goal in mind. Are you talking but, about me, Kristen? Is that a passionate young person? Well, no, I think okay. you're a little, you're okay. beyond that, dear. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're, you missed that mark. Um, but just how by praying into this area for a long time, I mean, you said it was about nine months where you guys were investing and praying into this area. The Holy Spirit really was able to get some work done before you started. Do you feel like that impacted your, I mean, I, I want, I don't want to say success because that has some different connotations, but you know, did that really impact how things went? You think? Absolutely. I think, and what we found too, and what we've heard um, with the community of folks that have been affected by uh, special needs and disabilities is that it's much more of a crock pot than a microwave, mm. you know, mm. even building relationships because they have a lot of good intention people saying, I want to do something for somebody with special needs and they want to do it and then they run away. Mm. You know, they don't, mm-hmm. the lasting staying power is what they are looking for. So I'm glad that when we started, we took, a, I don't know, it wasn't, we, I don't think we had any grand ideas. We just felt like we had to wait till we got people trained and ready, mm. but we prayed mm. and I think we prayed, we gathered for about nine months, but we were praying for at least a year beforehand. And something that really impacted me later is when I took that first group of girls to camp and I came home, one of the moms said in tears, she's like, oh my gosh, I have been praying for something like this for my daughter for over a year. And when I really sat with her, I said, when were you praying and how were you praying? She had been praying exactly the same amount of time that I had been praying, that we've been praying. Wow. It was like yeah. somebody put it on separate hearts. And we came mm-hmm. together. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was hearing the heart of the cry of a mother's heart and placing it into our hearts mm-hmm. as we, and we had no idea. So I love those stories. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. I, I, I would just like exhort our audience, the people that are listening, like that burden that Jesus has placed in your heart, like that's possibly the father allowing you to hear the prayer of another. Mm-hmm. And you're the answer to that prayer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. like, so stop going and asking your pastor to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> and asking your church, hey, we really need to do this. No, that's the Holy Spirit sharing with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that is like, I'm tearing up. Me too. And well, I, I shouldn't say I'm tearing up. My eyes are sweating. Uh, John, any, get, share with us some stories of what's going on there. Well, I, I think it's allergy season. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes, <laughs> yes. Maybe I have COVID. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, again, just like you're saying, it, it was something that I would never expect I would be involved with right now. 
had no idea that this was where God was leading and God had placed on my heart for our friends. Again, like I said, I was uncomfortable uh, around any of our friends and to be now a part of it and having our friends teach me what it is really about life. That's what it's about. I, I keep thinking of Luke 14, where uh, he talks about the, the great banquet, you know, and tells the servants, go out, go out, go out. You know, we, all we are to do is go out and bring our friends in, go out and bring her to the outer reaches. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter what, just bring them in. And that's what I feel like we've done. Mm -hmm. We've just brought, go, reached out, gone out and brought them in together. And it's been a beautiful thing uh, in our lives. You know, we have done so many things with them. I think of camp, you know, adventures and taking our friends where parents would be hesitant to allow their child to go with us to camp. Hmm. Uh, and not only that, but, oh, they're never going to do horseback riding or go on a zip line or anything to that extent. And then when they come back and they hear the stories that their children have done that because they were either around other peers or they had the opportunity and maybe they didn't have the opportunity before. Mm. It's just been a joy. And we've seen where camp has not only impacted our friends, but there's been times where we've been able to take uh, parents to camp as a camper or caregivers or parents would just come to observe the week and they have been touched and transformed by the power of Jesus in their lives, just because they were a part of the situation. And so and that's what we have seen, that our friends seem God uses them to impact others around us mm -hmm. through the Holy Spirit. And so it's just been a phenomenal journey. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Dan used to say when we were pastoring, he talked about the highways and the byways all the time. And it was really let's say just a tension. Um, there was a tension between getting a congregation to be okay with going out to the highways and the byways, or we could say the margins, right? And I feel like you guys have done such an excellent job because this population, like you said, Nancy, is often just invisible. They're so overlooked that they really are, I mean, it's kind of like the ultimate margin in my mind. And yet that's where that's where Jesus is. That's where movement happens, right? So it's so exciting to hear about. Can you tell us how the group has grown? Not that we're ultimately like success in numbers, but when you were talking to us, I was so astounded at you went from four at your first meeting and now you have quite a bit more than that, right? Uh, yes. Uh, like I said, yes, we started with four. And then as Nancy said, it seemed every time we met, we doubled and we doubled and we doubled. And it was not only our friends amount, but we doubled in, of course, parents or caretakers and all this. So this whole community began to evolve and grow. And this wasn't of us. This was, I think, of the prayers before us and going before us that was just opening the way. Mm -hmm. And so we've grown so much where we, at this point, current time, we have almost three different groups where we have uh, our high school group, which is under the uh, Young Life organization. And then we have 20-something of our friends, like their ages in their 20s. And then we have beyond 30. And there would probably be equally amounts of 
while on the emails, over hundreds wow. that are on our list yeah. of that. And so it has really grown. And, yeah. and, and it's because of the community. Our friends get to know them when they trust, then they open up the doors or they're impacted. And, and mm-hmm. if you don't mind, just I would love for Nancy to just share this Absolutely. one story of um, Melissa from camp uh, who has been a part of us since she was in junior high, this mm. this gal, Melissa. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. Like John said, we started small and just grew and grew. And then when they got out of high school, we grew into, we said, oh, let's call it beyond. And we, <laughs> we're going beyond. And then when they grew yeah. into older. And so a lot of it right now, there's our part under the Young Life umbrella. And the other part is we're just trying to figure mm. out what to do with our older friends. Yeah. I can share the Melissa story is a sweet story of just impact. And uh, sweet Melissa started with us when she was in junior high. We even did a junior high fun life for a little while. So we had mm-hmm. junior high um, leaders who, a junior high leader who was a special needs teacher. And so she wanted to invite her kids. So we did a special little night of junior high fun life once a month. And we had some of the older fun life friends help us to be leaders. It was really cute. And our, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they were awesome. They did the gifts and everything. And then we had our, our, our volunteer leaders as well. And she came through there and then she went to um, high school and started going to fun life in high school. And then toward her late in her freshman year, she was diagnosed with cancer. And so for her, I think it was like her junior and sophomore and junior year, she was home. We hardly saw her. She went, might come once in a while to club, but she was very fragile and they were doing a lot of treatments and uh, we really missed her a lot. And, and then toward her senior year, I believe it was the parents got the news that no parent ever wants to get. And that is, there is nothing more we can do. Mm. And mom and dad decided we've been saving for Melissa's future and her future is now. So we're going to give her the best life we could ever give her. And they did some really fun things. They bought a boat, they went water skiing, they, you know, took her out in limos. Part of that was going to fun life again. We were so happy to see her. Mm. And in the midst of that, we said, we believe going to Young Life Camp with us this summer would be part of her best week of her life, you know, part of that, mm-hmm. giving her the most awesome life. And so um, that was the plan. And as it drew near, she was getting really, really weak. Mm-hmm. And it was touch and go and touch and go. But John was very faithful with them. I was kind of a little nervous, like, oh, I don't want to push them in this time. But John was really good. And they did end up at camp. Mom and dad stayed in the adult guest lodge and Melissa's stayed in the cabin with the girls and me and they gave me all the instructions on her meds. So I slept next to her every night and helped her through the week. And she did have the best week of her life. She did the water slides and ropes courses and giant swings. And she did it all. She was very weak and very, um, you know, uh, struggling, but, um, but she had the best week of her life. And then mm-hmm. toward the end on the last day of um, camp, you know, each night we're going through cabin time and hearing club talks and learning about who Jesus is and tracking with her. And then in the end, on the last club, they do what they call a say-so, where if you let the redeemed of the Lord say so, like if you feel like you've accepted Jesus in your heart or want to, you can you can tell, you will pass a mic around, you can say so. Mm. And so um, the mic went around the room and Melissa got up. She had a little deep voice, yeah, I'm Melissa. And I uh, have cancer, but I love Jesus, you know, and it was so precious and apparent. You know? And so um, those who said so on that particular week got to walk down to the stage and cross a bridge mm-hmm. uh, as if to cross to the other side mm-hmm. um, with Jesus, which was precious. And then we got home from camp and it was only we saw her a few times. But it was only a few weeks later. They did a big parade for her in town. Mm-hmm. And then um, her parents called me and said, um, this is 
this is the night. I think this mm. is the night. And um, we were on and off the phone with them that evening. And then um, they called us and said she did pass. And this is what happened is she was holding our hand and looking us in the eyes. And she was sort of scared to go. Mm. And, um, and, and um, you know, we looked at her and we said, it's okay, Melissa, it's okay to go. Um, and she was still kind of scared. But the dad said, um, Melissa, remember camp. And remember that you crossed a bridge at camp. And right now you're going to cross a bridge. And Jesus is going to meet you on the other side. And it's okay. Mm. And he yeah. said she took her final breath and her whole body relaxed. And that was the moment. Mm. And I feel like it touched not only, of course, Melissa's in heaven because of all this. Yeah. Her parents know now. We have a sweet relationship with them. Every year they send a camp scholarship. They want to help other people experience this. And we felt like, gosh, you know, all of the things that happen and all the things we do and all the volunteer leaders, yeah. this is what it's all about. We're touching the hem of heaven. We're touching mm-hmm. because um, the Lord is at work in ways we can't imagine. We had no idea that, yeah. we're, that it would be just, we're sharing Jesus and it would be just a month later. Wow. That's amazing. That's so great. Praise the Lord. Okay, now I'm definitely now crying. I'm crying. This is uh, yeah. So I'm not going to lie about. It. I'm crying. I'm crying now, John. Yep. You're a heart of stone, but I am. <laughs> I am. Wow. I don't even know what to say. We've never had crying on only on a Sunday podcast. <laughs> but yeah, and if you're listening, if you're not crying, then I, I don't know what to say. That is. You know, that just gets me into, John, what we were talking about with the Great Commission. Like, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a big deal. It's not if I'm free this weekend, you know. So share with us a little bit, John, about your understanding of the Great Commission and its uh, necessity and and the way it should drive us as believers. Well, I've learned maybe it's just because I'm a very simple person, but I think we overcomplicate everything. And I think we've overcomplicated the Bible and who Jesus really is. And I think this is where our friends simply uh, have taught me so much about being present and Jesus saying, come to me as a child, come to me with all of your faith. And so as simply as that, the great commission to me is Jesus saying two things to us, go, nothing more. Didn't say you have to be prepared. You have to go, go to seminary. You don't have to do this. You don't have to go to church every day. He just says, go. And then he says, make disciples. Now, a lot of people can make different things, but very simple. A disciple is Jesus sat with his friends, had dinner, lunch, loved them, walked with them, spent life with them, walk with them. So our simple, the gospel to me, the mission to me to live missionally is very simple of that commission. Go to others and befriend them, whoever it is, your neighbor, the mailman, a person with special needs. It doesn't matter. Just go and befriend them in the name of Jesus and build a relationship with them and introduce them. Bring them to the feet of Jesus. Do whatever it takes to bring them to the feet of Jesus to introduce them. It's not our job anymore. All we are to is to introduce them to Jesus. And that's it. Yeah. I have, so this is a question that I I think I know what your answer is, but I want to ask it for our listeners. Because a, a lot of people I run into who are believers 
struggle with the idea of being friends with non-believers because we're not like-minded. And there were air quotes around that. If For the audio, note for the audio, I used air quotes. So how do you guys like approach that concept? How would you answer someone who would say, well, but we're just not like-minded and I don't want to be influenced by fill in the blank. And, and I would add to that in terms of your daughter, right? Like, so a lot of times what Kristen's talking about, we're not like-minded is a fear defense mechanism towards, you know, our, it's, well, maybe I shouldn't say a defense mechanism. It's a parenting strategy, right? Like I'm going to, so here you guys are, you're making friends with Muslims and Jewish folk and, you know, all kinds of religions and atheists and everything. And yet your daughter's 17 and she's loving Jesus like very few 17-year-olds I know. So how, you know, give us, give us some wisdom. I love the gospel. And when every time I take a look at what Jesus was doing, he was out there. He was out there with Zacchaeus. He was out there with tax collectors. He was out there. Often he was, he was criticized for being with those mm-hmm. who were rough around the edges, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, and so I feel like our hearts and desires to seek after Jesus, to be where he's at. And I often think he is with the marginalized or the, or the non-believer or the everyone. He is, he is out there and to join him in what he's doing is to be where he is at. Mm. That I, I feel like I, I don't know. I, I love, uh, I think it's first Thessalonians two, eight, that, um, we delighted to share not only the gospel, not only the good news, but our very lives as well. Like to, to live life amongst our neighbors and our friends and our people that uh, we reach out to. I, I think there's always been that missionary heart in us, the mission, living missionally, living, living in that place of outreach, I guess is the word. Yeah. Did you ever feel like you needed to shield grace from people or like bad influences or you felt confident in that? God has always been good and we have felt at peace and she is um, a leader for junior high wildlife Mm -hmm. and she's been with us. You know what we did with Grace from the day one is that we decided that our, um, and when we, when she was born, I think we were still volunteers. We decided, or were we, I can't remember how that all transpired. I think, um, but we decided that we're leaders and this is a family ministry. We're not going to go mm. do something like go to camp and leave her at home or go to club and leave her mm. at home. We just brought her to everything. John's mom was gracious enough to help us a lot with that. She, John, John's mom went to camp with me all, every single year and sat with Grace in the cabin with us. Wow. Um, but Grace got to see it lived out from day one, um, yeah. how we live life, how we reach out, what we do. So I think um, it became very natural for she became a buddy when she was old enough for the Capernaum friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even think she knows that some of them have special needs. She's just, they're just her friends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. Really just, she sees the person and not the disability, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I love that with that, with that part, but with all of it, mm-hmm. uh, we've always lived missionally. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, well, so here's my maybe encouragement to families who are listening, maybe 
the kids that I see who grow up and stay with Jesus, who love Jesus for themselves. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get emotional now because I really want my kids to be that. (laughs) Um, And my daughter loves grace. Oh my gosh, to the moon and back. Even my son Corbin talks about grace and how awesome she is, which is a big deal because he's at the age where girls are gross. (laughs) So (laughs) if he loves grace, that's a good thing. But what I think about is how kids who go to church just because mom and dad say so, and they sit in service and they hear the Bible, they hear the message, whatever, they go to youth group. If that's all it is, they don't ever see Jesus, right? Like the real, oh gosh, this is the most crying we've ever had on a podcast, (laughs) but they see They get to see him be real. And so I'm wondering, I bet that's what Grace got to see. She got to see that it's not just something we give lip service to. It's something that impacts our life. And so I know that's my heart for my kids. And I would really encourage parents who have teens or even small kids, make it real. Let your kids experience Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit now in their life, because if they see it and if they experience it, they won't walk away when they're 18 because it's real. They'll know, right? They'll know deep down in their bones that this is real and it's not just something I have to do because our family goes to church. Anyway, okay. I'll let Dan take over now. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just edit all that out. Don't worry. Um, You know, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine that was on a conference call and she said, um, the kingdom makes no sense, right? The kingdom is upside down. How upside down is it to think that one of the best parenting strategies is to live missionally? Because logically it would say we should hole up in our wall, in our church walls, like we should protect ourselves, right? Right. But that's probably the worst parenting strategy that we can have. So anyway, we commend you guys for, you know, getting out there and taking her into the highways and byways and all those fun things. Yeah. Let me ask you one of the final questions, John. What do you see? And Nancy, feel free to jump in if, if you like, sorry. But what do you see are some hindrances both individually and maybe corporately that keep people from living missionally, from following their hearts, you know, the burden that the Lord has placed on them? What keeps people in the pews? For me, I see a few things. One is (laughs) I am a sinner saved by grace. I was one of those early on that were rough around the edges and God transformed my heart and my life. And so I saw what he could do for me and how he accepted me for who I am by just, it is by grace you are saved through faith, not your works. That is as simple as it could be. And because of that, I know life is messy. Life is messy. And Jesus stepped into that mess. He stepped into the messy lives. And my life is messy. All our lives are messy. And so it's just us stepping into one messy person, stepping into another messy person's life. And by the grace of Jesus, we'll transform. Not us, not anything. And so that's what it is. And, and I always feel like I say the word ministry, but it, it, it could be whatever word you want, mission, whatever. But I always say that ministry comes at the most inconvenient time. You get a call in the middle of the night, 
my car is broken down or whatever it is. I don't feel like doing it. I think because we get comfortable and so do I, I am not, I get comfortable. I get comfortable in my world. I want to protect my world. And so if I step out into that messiness, if I step out of that comfort zone, uh-oh, what's happening? But Jesus didn't. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going on to a, not a sermon, but uh, when, when Jesus rose Lazarus- Preach it, Pastor John, <laughs> preach it. <laughs> when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, okay, the, the part that I always focus on was he goes and he tells these guys, we don't even know their names, anything about them. He says, go and unwrap them. Now, we know that Lazarus was dead, smelly, oh, messy, wrapped in a gauze. And these guys just went and unwrapped. And that's what I feel ministry is, that we go and do that. And it's messy. And it was it smelly? Was it ugly? Was it scary? Yes, but they got to touch what real ministry was. They got to touch what it was, the Jesus's power to see it up front, front lines where nobody else does. I always want to be a part of where I can be in the front lines to see Jesus working. I will second that, that I, I want to be where Jesus is. And I love that. I, well, I'm, I think that maybe a barrier for people especially if it's in my demographic, a parent, a mom, is uh, time and fear. Like, do I have enough time for this? Do I have enough time to squeeze all this in? And fear, do I know how to do this? I don't know if I know how to do this, or am I good at this, or would they need me or want me? And and I think that as we step into things, God makes the time. We see that over and over again in scripture when with the, the multiplying of the bread, you know, we give our little lunch and God can multiply it to feed 5,000. When we step into time and we give our time, God multiplies it out. I feel like I have more time to get things done than ever when I'm busy living out our um, mm-hmm. our calling. And then I think fear of the unknown or fear of, am I, can I be good at this or can I do? And, you know, I don't think I'm good at anything, but I'm just sort of willing. I think that um, the willingness to show up. I'd say, I'd say 80% of what we do is the willingness to show up and the rest is what God will do. We have amazing volunteer leaders who are our heroes of the faith. They are school teachers. They are parents with little children. They are college students. They are firefighters. um, They are businessmen and they're willing to still be a volunteer young life or fun life or wildlife leader. They're stepping into the lives of, of teens and just, just stepping in, doing their best. I think that uh, what we learned along the way is learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that's a big, Mm. I've learned to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I do Mm. have to say the holiest moments of my life have been sitting at the feet of our friends. Mm. I was one time um, when we first started doing fun life and we were at a bowling alley and um, we thought, let's take a bowling. Oh, that'll be so fun. And we got there and we're like, oh gosh, we have to put all the shoes on. I didn't realize that. So I'm sitting on the ground, putting everybody's shoes on. And I was, I don't know if it was like, you know, the bowling alley smell and the shoe smell and the nachos. I just kind of got a little lightheaded, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Oh, no. And I was like sitting there at the feet of this definitely the nachos, Nancy. Definitely the nachos. Bowling alley nachos. You know what can be. Um, and so, but all of a sudden, I just had this clear. I was sitting at this girl's feet, putting the shoes on her, and I thought I just had this clear picture. I was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Hmm. You know, when when we do this as unto Him, um, I thought, oh, and I, I would say, you know, 
some of my whole, most holiest moments have been sitting at someone's feet. And I wouldn't, that's real life. That's real Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's real um, sense of purpose and calling. Um, I wouldn't trade that for the world. So anyways, I think that's my little um, plug on that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I, I've, I've fallen victim to this as well. But how many times I've thought, you know, I want to meet Jesus. So the first thing that comes to mind is I should go to church, right? Jesus ain't there. He's, he's with the poor. He's with the marginalized. He's with the dirty. That like, you really want to see Jesus, you should go there. Now, you know, the fact that he's not in church is going to get me in a lot of trouble, yeah, right? We're going to get, but, we're gonna um, get nasty you know, letters now. <laughs> that's my job is to poke the bear. <laughs> um, with, with that being said, we'll bring it on home, guys. And we would just love for you to encourage the people that are listening with wisdom, encouragement, if if they feel like, man, Jesus has put something on my heart, he's put a people group on my heart, what what would you say to them? Just like a prophetic call, a blessing, something like that. John, go for it. If you sense the Holy Spirit just tugging at your heart, then step out and just hear these words. Go and make disciples. Just go and love others as he has loved you. It's not rocket science at all. I am the living proof of that. Just to go and love others and befriend them. That was really good. Yeah. Thank you, John. Nancy, what would you say? I would encourage anyone that um, stepping out of your comfort zone is stepping and you're stepping, uh, I guess I would say it's stepping near to the heart of Jesus. And to not be afraid. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I feel like the times I've been the most afraid and stepped into those courageously into those uncomfortable spots, I've met Jesus in powerful ways. So guys, um, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, either talk about fun life, young life, how would they go about doing that? Our website is scv.younglife.org. And our email address is Y-N-G-L-F scv at aol.com. All right. Thank you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We certainly appreciate it and hearing your heart and you made us cry. Yeah. I mean, Kristen always cries, but you made me cry. So that's, that's saying something. So Kristen, bring us on home. Okay. Well, this is definitely the most tears that have been on air so far. So (laughs) thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Only on a Sunday. Next time we we will continue our conversation as Dan and I discuss mission and theology and practice. That will be fun. If you've enjoyed the content offered on our podcast so far, we would love to invite you guys to support us and our team. And you can donate at scvunderground.org if you feel led. We truly appreciate any support from our listeners. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.